where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. This is Season 5, Episode 4, Abnormal Psychology. It was written by Janet Leckie and directed by James Burroughs. Now, this episode does not just see the return of a fan-favourite character from Season 4, but also Barry returns to us. Welcome back, Barry. Hello, everyone. It's lovely to be here. Good to have you back. Still craving that chocolate monkey that we had last time. Your favourite drink. <laughs> so, from the title, we can gather this is a Frasier episode. And in this episode, Diane is trying to, I guess, play matchmaker between Frasier and Lilith, who returns. I tell you, quite a steamy episode, I'd say. But we'll get into that later. It was very steamy, John. You couldn't move for the steam in Cheers. It certainly warmed up the whole bar. Is it like a sauna in there? Contagious steam. Barry, steamy psychologists are your thing. You've joined us at the right episode. <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, certainly got me hot under the collar, this one. Yeah, Freud would like a word with them. <laughs> but where does this all kick off? Should we, should we start with the cold open? Best place to start. The cold open is Woody trying to get Norman Cliff to go fishing, but they find an excuse to not go with him, which is the Gladiator Film Festival. So there's two things I want to unpick here. Have either of you been fishing before? Yes. Yes. See, I haven't, so, <laughs> but I always have this sort of like, quite romanticist view of it being a really nice experience. Nah, it's not. Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to sort of gauge. It depends what your expectation of from fishing is. I think if you're expecting to be a successful fisherman, then no, it's not generally a good experience. But if you are willing to not catch fish and sit there very peacefully for a long time, then it can be quite nice. I feel like that's what I kind of would want out of it, like a huckleberry fin kind of, a piece of straw out of my mouth, straw hat on. It's basically just sitting there for hours, and at the end of it, you might have got your own dinner, which is, you know, an exciting prospect when there's <laughs> that level of uh, uncertainty. It seems to me that it fills that category of event that some men take in order to avoid their normal lives. <laughs> I'm gathering from this that you guys would both go to the Gladiator Film Festival. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. They do an anachronism count. <laughs> anachronism is one of those words that I politely let slide in any conversation, never quite knowing what it meant. So this... I, was, I wasn't going to challenge it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode was an education for me. That's the cord open. Off they go to the Gladiator Film Festival and Woody is disappointed. On with the show. <laughs> Not the first time he's disappointed in this episode for rejection. No, it's a sad episode for Woody, but uh, as we point out, a steamy episode for everyone else. And how, how does everyone else's story kick off then, James? Diane's got tickets to some kind of event. As Sam put it, it sounded foreign and dull. I thought you wouldn't want to miss it. She's got tickets to see a flautist, Jean-Pierre Rinpoul, who fuses classical and jazz. It's not the most exciting of instruments, is it? The flute. Peaceful, no doubt. But you don't see uh, people rocking out to the flute. <laughs> I can't picture a classic music formed with jazz. Apparently it exists. I'm not sure if I'm big on jazz, to be honest. <laughs> I'm partial to it. You either like jazz or you don't. It's, it's the musical version of Marmite. Well, I guess uh, the main thing is lots of people in the bar don't want to go with Diane. Especially Sam doesn't want to go with Diane because Dan's a bit crazy this season. Yeah. Turned the crazy up to... 11. After her rejection, or rather her rejecting Sam for his uh, proposal, it seems to have sent her in the funny turn. 
she's very much assuming that they're still engaged. I've said this a few times. I hope this doesn't last for the whole season because I'm already tired of it. Episode four. I feel like everyone's tired of it. I think (laughs) Diane's the only one who doesn't realize how crazy it is. Uh, And the rest of them are just going, just calm down, Diane. I said no. What are your offers to go? You touched on this earlier, Barry. Yeah, that is a really sweet offer and is rejected almost instantly. Miss Chambers, I might be back from my fishing trip in time to take you if I don't stop to clean up first. (laughs) No, thank you, Woody. That's very sweet. Maybe next time. Okie doke, but I don't know when I'm going to be going fishing again. Which is is sad for Woody. I think he genuinely would have enjoyed it. Yeah, a shame for Woody, but you know, he's got other opportunities coming his way. Then Frasier rocks up. Frasier's got news. An exciting update. He's going to be on television in a debate. On psychology this week. I'm not big on 80s TV. Is this a real show or is this a fictional show? I think if it was a real show, it wasn't, you know, among the must-watch TV, which, you know, was branded during this time. You know, I don't think it was. Uh, Tune in tonight for Cheers, followed by Psychology This Week. Well, like, I wasn't sure if psychology chat shows were, were a big thing or not. I think before the age of the internet, there were more talk shows which intellectually driven as opposed to about pop culture, if that's the right way to put it. I have seen clips from these more intellectual talk shows from then. Uh, Dick Cavett has previously appeared on Cheers on, although he was about pop culture. He was, you know, the thinking man's chat show host. So I, I don't, it doesn't seem too far-fetched. It puts me in mind of an episode of a show. I can't remember what it was called, but it was the Monty Python crew defending life of Brian against some religious figures which had a very similar sort of debate feel to it. So those shows obviously exist. I do know that show you're talking about. Yeah, John Cleese was just having none of it. (laughs) Very angry man he was. Yeah, Michael Palin was the one who seemed to carry the conversation along. Interesting show if anyone has the uh, chance to watch it. That's actually, it reminded me of another one where, uh, do you know the, the Killers, the band? Yes. The lead singer Brandon Flowers was on a chat show talking to Richard Dawkins, justifying Mormonism. And uh, it's a really awkward conversation because Richard Dawkins really sort of belittles his religion a lot as an atheist. And then before Brandon Flowers gets to rebuttal, they make him perform. <laughs> we promised you here on the pretense of a debate, but actually, can you play some music for us? That instantly destroys his intellectual credibility. Mr. Brightside's good though. Yeah, it's a lovely song. Well, both of the examples given there were about religion. They don't debate religion, they debate psychology. Well, I'll tell you what, if we thought that was a bad interview, Fraser gets worse news about his TV appearance, where his ex-date is going to be against him on the panel. That's just a bit awkward, isn't it? And he almost pulls out, and is about to pull out when said ex-date, Lilith, walks into the bar to convince him to go ahead. I kind of get it, but they only went on one date and it feels like he's uh, quite worked up about uh, that, to be honest. It's because Frasier is quite, we didn't see this much in season three, but it has developed since then, is that Frasier is quite egotistical at times. His ego is inflated and Lilith not only ending, I wouldn't even say a relationship, their potential of a relationship earlier on wasn't a front to him, not just because a relationship ended, I think he's adult enough that he can handle that, but because Lilith is a very intelligent person and she manages to belittle him in a way that the other characters in Cheers don't. 
Yeah, she's his nemesis in a way. And actually, as an intellectual, that stimulates him being challenged. She does arrive at the bar to sort of settle some rules for the, for the debate because she doesn't want their uh, relationship to come up during the debate. She thinks it would discredit both of their credibility. Yeah, and that better not happen, Frasier. You better not do anything seedy now. <laughs> This is where Diane's meddling comes in a little bit because she has this sort of, I think Frasier calls it parlor game psychology. Diane's theory is very much, oh, he's mean to you because he likes you. That's kind of what she's saying. And Frasier denies this, which Sam agrees with as well because he hates Diane. He's quite nice to hear that Frasier says that Sam can just hate Diane and, and not really like her. What becomes of this? What is it that Diane tries to do on the back of this assumption that Frasier's in love with Lilith. She tries to manipulate Frasier a little by giving Lilith a makeover by going, you know, we'll get you all spruced up was not the word I was thinking of, but I'll go with it because I can't think of another word. Uh, we'll get you all spruced up for TV and Frasier will be like a deer in the headlights. Which he absolutely is. But what did you think of that? Uh, it's the age old trope of letting the hair down and suddenly they're attractive because not much else changed. It was a pretty woman scenario. It was a pretty in pink scenario. Classic 80s. Although I think Pretty Woman's the 90s, but <laughs> classic 80s. It is a trope. I think it did work. I think she looked different enough in terms of style that it, it was a shock uh, for the viewers as well. The thing that I always find with the tropes that we find in Cheers is I don't know if they started in Cheers or not. I've got no reference point for them. Well, Greece was before Cheers. Greece was 75, I want to say. Oh, yeah, but where was it before Before Greece? You know, you never know with these things. This would have occurred in many a carry-on film. They didn't go full trope, though, because it wasn't in slow motion. So I respected that, you know? It worked, though. I think their use of the trope worked because it, it played both Frasier and, and Lilith for fools. It almost feels like Frasier should have gone for a change of some sort as well. Well, would have you had him go to the TV show in like a leather jacket then, Barry? Oh, yeah. Gone full... Uh, like full funds. Full funds, yeah. <laughs> Banging on a copy of The Interpretation of Dreams and going, eh. Like a glorious came over quiff. We haven't quite explained what happens as a whole. Essentially, Diane takes Lilith away with the intention of beautifying her, uh, ready for the TV appearance. And when we do see them on the TV, Lilith is in a red top and pencil skirt, quite made up, has her hair down, and Frasier is dumbstruck. He does like a double take and his face is... It's a picture, really. I'm sure we'll post a picture of it. He's got a, a quite a shocked face. And what follows from there is... The sleaziest thing we've ever seen on Cheers. Uh, and we've seen Sam. Well, I'm not sure if it's sleazy. It's definitely erotic, though. <laughs> I'd actually agree. Verbally erotic. Yes, my method of flooding uh, seeks out the patient's almost sensitive and vulnerable spot in the defense system and uh, penetrates, <laughs> probing deeper and deeper into the patient's psyche, thrusting over and over. <laughs> thereby uncovering the reality behind the irrational fear. Thank you, Dr. Craig. Anything to add, Dr. Sternen? Yes. Uh, although Dr. Crane's method is faster, 
a slow and methodical approach can be much more rewarding. <laughs> Gentle stroking of the psyche will bring about a far more and intense release of emotion, building until the patient quite often will literally cry out in a release of satisfaction and joy. It's quite something, isn't it, that exchange? It is, not only for the two involved, but the whole bar seems to be hung on that every word with Diane and Sam slowly combining into one cuddly mess. Like a much more aesthetically pleasing version of The Thing. Mm. <laughs> that's where my head went, like John Carpenter's The Thing, that's, that's part of my head. <laughs> Diane had managed to get everyone in the bar to agree to watch it on the, on the screen. And there's been quite a few embarrassing moments played through that TV screen in the bar. But I think this has to be probably up there as one of the most. And apparently you can download the transcript. <laughs> All the bar rang in immediately to get their copy. Bit perverse, but to each their own. After the show, Fraser returns to the bar and is thoroughly embarrassed. Yes, understandably so. He revealed too much of his lust on TV, which you never want to do. It's a bad call all around. Do you think he felt it undermined his intellectual argument? I think it undermined both, actually. Both him and Lilith. Because, as we've said, this is a debate. You didn't come onto this serious psychology show to fawn over each other. This is a serious show. I mean, he describes himself as some kind of Pavlovian dog, which means he was basically drooling all over the place. And that's not really what you want to do when you go to talk about your psychological theories. I still feel that it's one-sided in terms of... Lilith has made a change to attract Fraser and she doesn't seem to express that interest at the start but Fraser has done nothing to attract Lilith. I suppose something which does happen he does put his guard down a bit when you think of lines that he said earlier on. You know you perplex me. <laughs> oh? Yes, normally people of your limited physical appeal make up for it with an actual personality. I suppose his changes, he's not making comments like that anymore. But people like it when you don't insult them. I think it's Cliff at the start who also, there's a back and forth between Cliff and Fraser about Lilith, where Cliff describes her as, he says, forgive my French, a woman. And Fraser says, oh, that's generous. Not, not good, is it? I think it's one of those things where you, you do look back at this, some of these episodes and you've got to question them a little bit. Which is why I think that that idea that she can drop her hair and that's the the turning point in their her relationship is a. I wasn't entirely comfortable with that. It's because men are simple. They go, ah, your hair is, is beholden to gravity. I must be with you. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what happens again at the end of this episode, because when they're back in the bar, Lilith comes around again. She drops her hair and Fraser turns very uh, animalistic, really, I think. But they both do. And then he pronounces his intentions. I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to kiss you hard and I'm going to kiss you long. But make no mistake about it, I am going to kiss you. In fact, I'm going to kiss you like you've never... <laughs> Like that. And that sound at the end there was Lilith, what would you call it, pouncing? She jumps into his arms. Sneak attack. He was politely describing how he was going to kiss her. And then she went, I'll take charge. I must admit the banter, the back and forth between those two is very well done. And actually it, it suggests much more of their feelings for each other than a lot of other sort of more simple uh, romantic engages on TV shows. I really enjoy their constant destruction of each other. And I think that that kind of plays uh, into the next scene as well, because they're obviously much more interesting in this episode than Diane and 
Sam because that feels very tired and this felt like quite a new thing that was being done and it felt quite fresh and the dialogue that was written was quite back and forth and they, they played a lot into the characters. We do get a scene that follows up with Sam and Diane which is, it kind of feels a little bit inevitable by this point because Diane still hasn't got anyone to agree to go to the classic fusion jazz flutist show and it does feel like it's that kind of, we've got to wrap that up, yeah Sam will go. It also feels a little bit sad. You've seen this animalistic passionful engage between the other two and then you've got Sam sort of half-heartedly agreeing to go along and Diane convincing herself that he's enthusiastic. Does he agree to go or does Carlos shout at him until he does? Well exactly. I'll go and sure I'll be alone but I don't care because I'm in love and no one who's truly in love can ever be alone and I know my fellow loves me he just doesn't know it yet. So I'll go to this concert, listen to the music, and dream again of the day when he'll be sitting beside me, holding my hand, sharing a moment. That's my dream, and mine alone. And no one can- Get out of here! I'll go. Only if you really want to. I think it's time we talk about the cast, because they were here and we haven't talked about them yet. B.B. Newis? As Dr. Lilith Sternan, she's in it. Richard Herkert as moderator of the psychology talk show. He also appeared in Simon and Simon, The A-Team, The Bradys, The Bold and the Beautiful, Knott's Landing, Melrose Place, and many others. We've also got a few barflies coming back. Steve Gianelli as Steve, Alan Cass as Alan, Tim Cunningham as Tim. Philip Perlman gives an uncredited performance as Phil. And we've also got Conrad Hurt as an uncredited role of bar patron. He also appeared in Hotel, Sudden Impact, Police Academy 2, Fletch, Dynasty, The Love Boat, Knight Rider, MacGyver, Hunter, Magnum P.I., Dallas, Lethal Weapon, Little Street Blues, Murder, She Wrote, Die Hard, Simon & Simon, Days of Our Lives, Matlock, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, Lethal Weapon 2, Star Trek The Next Generation, Doogie Howser MD, Tango and & Cash, and many others, which is a lot for someone who's not credited. <laughs> Now that we've talked about cast and we've talked about how the flutist jazz man story was wrapped up, let's talk about the fish story. Woody eventually packs everything, including beer and TV. They go along. Cliff comes back with the tiny fish. Done. <laughs> yes. And actually that could have been, that wasn't played up enough, really, because they, they made it feel like Cliff was going to go into full gloat mode. Uh, actually, they wrapped it up really quickly. He did say it was man against fish. The rest of the world was shut out. It was a good fish, a clean fish, a strong fish. And they said that Cliff caught a fish and turned into Emmys Hemingway. The tale of the mailman and the sea. <laughs> That's the trivia bell. That means one thing. We've got some lovely trivia mail. Who wants to open up a, a letter first? I've got a nice pile here. Norman Criff had an anachronism counting competition, but what was the 11th anachronism Norm stated he saw? Oh, John, have you got any idea on this? Well, I don't know the 11th one. <laughs> I think the 11th one was Caesar Augustus wearing Reeboks. That's it. Points to Barry. Now I've got a, an open-ended question. Cliff and Norm had a, a lovely game of spotting some mistakes in films where things were out of the time period. I want you to let me know what, what some of your best ones that you can think of are. From films you know or TV shows. I'll give an example. Like in Mandalorian earlier this year or last year, there was a man in jeans and a t-shirt. Oh, I remember jeans and a t-shirt guy. <laughs> he was hiding behind a wall, yeah. <laughs> Game of Thrones had a Starbucks cup. Yes, it did. One of the Pirates of the Caribbean's films had a digital watch. Well, I'll, I'll refer back to Life of Brian. The 
ending is very strange when modern day policemen come in to arrest everyone. Points for everyone. All right. Let me open one of mine then. At the very start of the episode, Woody tries to convince Norman Cliff to go fishing. Where does he try to take them? The lake. Which lake? John, any ideas? No. <laughs> it is Lake Winthrop. Oh. oh. Which is real and is in Massachusetts. According to the talk show host, what does Dr. Fraser Crane specialise in and where does Dr. Lilith Sternen work? Two points available. In psychology and Boston. <laughs> I don't think you know what the word specialised means. Yeah, Lilith does work in Boston. Two points. Barry, do you want to try and get a better answer? I do remember him saying it. I can't remember what he said. Frazier specialises in treatment of phobias. And Lilith is a member of the psychiatric staff at Boston General. In this episode, in order to find out where Fraser is, Lilith looks at Fraser's itinerary. What's his schedule for the day? Oh, I remember dry cleaning. There's one other thing as well. When he walks out the door, he says he's got to do something and she implies that she already knew he was going to do that. Something to do with his, not receptionist, but administrator person. So he had dry cleaning. Yeah, he went to Cheers. He had to cash a cheque. Fill up his gas tank and then go to the TV show, Psychology This Week. What a busy schedule. Nobody gets any points. I'm being really strict on that one. That's last call at the bar. Well, what do you guys think we should be drinking this episode? There is a cocktail called a Mind Eraser, which for those who got a bit disturbed by the sexiness in the middle of that episode may want to uh, take a swig of. And how do you make this drink, Barry? Well, it seems that it is a coffee liqueur based drink. Coffee, liqueur, vodka, and club soda. Quite simple. They're mind erasers, so we're not going to remember this anyway. So it's, it's all good. As we raise our mind erasers, what are we going to cheers to? Clearly, uh, Fraser and Lilith, as the main characters of this episode. Yes. Maybe to the fish? I think this episode is definitely my favourite so far of season five. I would agree with that. Had a, a frisson to it. Well, I guess as, as we come to the end of the episode, we'll raise our glasses... We'll say, how did you say a frisson to it? A frisson. Okay, we'll raise it to the frisson. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, whatever that is. But you know, it was sounding classy. We're watching Psychology Weekly as it gets steamy here, so we're going to need our mind erasers. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a Cheers Podcast. (laughs) 